It's the story of an American held in a dark Venezuelan prison. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. I'm Becky Bruce. I spent a year working on Hope in Darkness, which now has more than 2 million downloads. Find it on kslpodcast.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. Elizabeth Smart found special coverage with David Dijanovic on KSL News Radio. Elizabeth is a wonderful girl, and she is strong, and she is courageous, and she is a hero. And she did everything she needed to do to survive. And because of what she did, she is here, back with us again after being gone for nine months. That's an excerpt from an interview I did in March of 2003 when I worked for KSL Five Television. I interviewed Elizabeth's aunt, her dad, two police officers from the Sandy Police Department after she was found alive and well, walking with her two kidnappers in Sandy, Utah. To this day, uh, the most incredible story I've ever been a part of. Um, In in fact, I, I was absolutely convinced. I think most of the world was convinced that she was dead and that we were just trying to find her body. And I remember sitting in the car in a in a mall parking lot with my wife when it said that Elizabeth Smart had been found. I was convinced it was, well, her body, clearly. And it took me several minutes to register that they were talking about her in the present, that she was still alive and she had been returned to her family. And objective as you want to be in this business, I couldn't help but cry. Yeah. Chris Thomas authored Unexpected, the book that was is released right now. You can get it. I saw it on Amazon. You said it's also on Audible. Chris, um, we're waiting for Elizabeth to call. I'm told she's just wrapping up another interview and we'll be dialing any moment now. So we're going to speak to Elizabeth Smart in just a moment. But Dave, you asked an excellent question during the commercial break of Chris. Why do you think this story still resonates to the extent it does 20 years later? It was interesting in that day. Uh, so many of us adopted Elizabeth as part of our family, our extended family. I think we all felt this real connection And because so many people searched, so many people prayed, it wasn't just a news story that people were passively watching. They were actively participating in it. And the other point of it is what Elizabeth's done with it. Uh, To see somebody who went through something absolutely horrific and and has has taken that and made it something so positive and is such an incredible role model, uh, it it just – it is. It's crazy we're talking about it the way we are 20 years later. Here we are, you know, KSL devoting several hours to talking about it. But we still care. Right. Well, it did sweep up the entire community, the entire nation, and to some extent the entire world. We had so many reporters from all over the nation in Salt Lake City, Utah, covering this story. And I think the reason it has resonated so many years later, and in fact, there – I know a few years ago you recommended me to think it was to CNN to sit down and do an interview with their producers who'd come into town. And I did for a major special that they were doing on Elizabeth Smart. I think it resonates in a lot of ways because we never expected to find Elizabeth alive. And then when you hear the backstory, which you spell out in your book, so many angles and things that were going on behind the scenes that people didn't know at the time were actually going on that this is a wild story that takes on all kinds of different directions from uh, flubs at the Salt Lake City Police Department with, you know, 
pointing out the wrong guy and arresting him on probation violation to the fact that her cousin's home was broken into or almost broken into by Brian David Mitchell, the kidnapper, just weeks after. I mean, wouldn't you agree? It's just, it's just a wild story. Well, it is. And then when her sister, Mary Catherine, remembers who the voice, you know, whose voice it was in her room that night. But, and it's discounted. Right. By the police department. By the police. They don't want it to come out. I mean, they, they, there's a lot of that. The tension between Ed and Lois Smart and, and the Smarts in the police department over five months. Uh, and, and finally defiling them and coming forward with that information. It was, you know, Elizabeth and I, we were talking about this the other day. She may still be out there had, had they not done that. Mary Catherine, her, how old was she when, uh, when Elizabeth nine, was taken? Nine when she was taken. She yeah. was nine. Uh, she played such a crucial role, but it did feel like she was being discounted or not believed. What, what happened there? I, it, it just didn't follow. I mean, th- there was this theory. There was so much circumstantial evidence on Richard Reese. Uh, yeah. and, and what she was saying didn't align with that. Uh, you look at Reese, he was in prison when there was the attempted break in at the Wrights home. Uh, you know, Mary Catherine saying that it wasn't Richard and then later saying who it was. The police were so sure. I mean, we were told at one point they were 99.99999% sure I, to our faces that it was Richard Reese and that we were potentially embarrassing Mary Catherine by coming forward with information. I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts. They have him um, in jail on a on a probation violation uh, when he dies unexpectedly um, of a brain aneurysm. Um, I think it was in August of 2002 and he was arrested just days after uh, the break-in. But to go back to what we're talking about in the 10 o'clock hour, the fingerprints on the bedpost and I believe on the window or the door of the home didn't match Richard Reese's at all. And so the police boxed themselves into a theory that was inaccurate, flat wrong. Sure. That had to be frustrating for you when you were working with the with the with the smarts. You know, really frustrating. I think we paint with a broad brush sometimes as well. And you know, in this case, there were several in law enforcement who were not in the herd, who actually were even criticized for were not being open minded enough about this. Uh, and and they collaborated with the smarts, the extended smart family, kind of on the side, talking through this. And and you know, some of those people played an important role. So I, I always want to be careful that yeah, there was this herd mentality, but there were and, and I believe the vast majority of people as well. There were flubs. I don't think there was anyone in law enforcement, anyone in the media, anyone anywhere that didn't want to have a positive outcome and weren't doing everything they could uh, to help find Elizabeth. How did the family react? Uh, to the fact that she was so close for so long. You know, it, it, 
you hear that, and I had the opportunity a few years ago to hike up to that camp. And until you've been up there, it, it, it's so close, but it's cut out of the side of a mountain, and it is so thick. I was there with a crew from NBC, uh, Meredith Vieira, and, and several photographers. It took us four hours to hike that mile up to that camp, and they nearly had heart attacks. I mean, it was like it took everything. Elizabeth was like a doe jumping through the forest, and, and everybody else was was sucking wind. It, it, it was Once you saw that, it felt like it was eons away, despite the fact that it was close. It, it's pretty, pretty rugged up in, the, in, in that area in some places. Chris Thomas is the author of a new book released today, Unexpected. Uh, it's, a, it's an excellent book, and it takes us behind the scenes. It's so well-written, but it takes us behind the scenes of what was going on, things we didn't know were going on. I was on the front lines as a reporter for KSL 5 TV, doing tons of interviews and following the case day by day. Get up in the morning and know exactly what story I was covering that day. And it took so many odd twists and turns. If you could pick one moment that was the oddest or the strangest twist for you, besides the moment she was right. found alive, what would that moment be, Chris? So I mentioned the tension between law enforcement and the smarts to, to come forward with the information. Uh, once the family finally came forward, they offered a reward, a $10,000 reward for anyone who could exonerate Richard Reese, who had died at that, who, who had been dead for a while at that time. And then they put out the sketch. Uh, Ed and I flew to New York uh, to do interviews with the morning show so that, that next morning, and they all canceled. Uh, and after the last one, I, I called a source at one of the networks that I trusted and had been, a very, had been very good in giving me good information. And he said, you're going to want to sit down. He said, the Salt Lake City Police Department has told us that you concocted this story to try to get Elizabeth back in the news. And that while they're looking into this guy, they don't think he had anything to do with it. And they want you to be very careful. Chris, I'm going to interrupt you. Elizabeth Smart's on the line. Good morning, Elizabeth. Good morning. We're just wrapping up a conversation with the author of this new book, Chris Thomas. I know you know him very, very well, and you wrote the foreword in the book, and that was brilliantly written. So, Elizabeth, 20 years ago today, you were found alive. Um, tell us about what the next 20 years looks like for you and your family. I mean, it's certainly been a whirlwind and a lifetime separate, yet the same. I mean, it's it's something I never dreamed that I would be able to say. It's something I couldn't even imagine the day after I was rescued. I couldn't imagine one day in the future being able to look back and be, oh, yes, that was 20 years ago. And now I'm married and I have three kids and I'm able to devote so much of my time and energy to this cause that I feel so passionate about, um, you know, helping to educate and advocate and um, hopefully spread hope and healing. Um, I feel incredibly lucky to be where I am. Elizabeth Smart joins us right now uh, as we uh, remember 20 years ago uh, when when you were found. Uh, has there ever been a moment or how many moments, I guess, through the years have you just thought, you know, I need to leave this behind? And what what pushes you forward to continue down uh, this path of advocacy? I don't think I'd be human if I didn't occasionally have that thought. Um, yeah, of course. Of course, there have been times where I felt like this is not the life I imagined or 
or this is this is hard. This is breaking my heart. I, d- I don't know if I can, how long I can sustain this for, but you know, the dust settles and, and I remember, I remember what it was like. And I remember being raped and I remember being scared and I remember feeling terrified. And I look at where I am right now or, or in that moment and I'm safe and I have a wonderful family and a wonderful husband and and I am able to just count all of the beautiful things that I have in my life and and I want that. I want that for every survivor out there. And and you know, having met so many parents of missing children um and talking to my own parents, they've they've all said the worst part is not is not knowing and feeling like everyone deserves an ending, um, whether it be in the way that you pray and wish or not, everyone deserves an ending um, because because the not knowing does destroy so many families. Elizabeth Smart, thank you for joining us, and uh, we appreciate you taking the time to spend a few minutes with us. Yeah, Elizabeth, thank you so much for crusading for survivors of abuse um, and for families who want that closure and want to know. Um, I know the whole community still loves you um, the way we loved you back in 2002. And we're so grateful that you were found 20 years ago, alive and well. Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. There's desperation and anguish. More than 80,000 Afghans have since arrived in America. But this story is still unfolding. I'm Andrea Smartin. In my new podcast, Stranger Becomes Neighbor, we'll find out what happens to these new arrivals in our communities. Who would help our newest neighbors? Follow us at kslpodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen.